You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, where we invite a panel of experts each week to hear about their incredible journey and career paths. Coming up on today's show, we will hear from Mushtaba Murji and Azra Nakfi on their incredible career paths. Mushtaba is a product manager at Bloomberg, while Ezra is the principal and founding member of Hadi School of Excellence. This week's show is brought to you in memory of the late Gigi Morali. As usual, I'm Fatima Al-Sayed, your talk show host. Make sure to tune in every Saturday at 3 Eastern Standard Time to hear a new panel of speakers. And remember, if you have any questions for any of the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section on our YouTube channel. Mushtaba, how are you today? Hey, assalamu alaikum. How are you? Wa alaikum salam. I'm well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh, for having me today. Of uh, course, it's our pleasure. To... So, can you tell us a bit about what it is exactly you do? So, you're a project manager. What does that mean? Yeah, it's actually uh, so. Basically, I work at uh, Bloomberg. So, for the broader audience, Bloomberg's basically a financial um, technology company. We provide uh, solutions. You know, a whole host of solutions for people in the uh, financial industry. I specifically focus in a group within Bloomberg that, that uh, works with uh, portfolio management tools. Um, so I am a, a product manager. Um, so there is a, a specific part within that organization, which we, so for example, we focus on uh, performance measurement. Um, so that's actually my product. Um, and really my goal is to ensure, you know, the product is used uh, I gather feedback from clients to make sure we're continuously improving and just make sure that, you know, the product that we're offering um, is is relevant to people who ultimately use it. So um, that's really, you know, in a nutshell, you know, my job is making sure the pr product that I am uh, designing um, is really kind of, you know, up to up to par with what people's uh, needs are. And what kind of products do you des design? Yeah, so basically it is, you know, Bloomberg's fairly popular. Um, they're known to have a, um, a terminal. So um, it's basically, you know, a, it's essentially software um, that investment professionals or people in the finance industry use a lot. It's very common. Mm -hmm. um, so within that software, actually, um, there is a, a part like I was mentioning, which focuses on portfolio management tools. So, you know, I guess the, the simplest example I can give in a, in a very simplistic manner is, um, you know, we all buy car insurance, we all have house insurance, and we're typically paying premiums for this insurance. Now, that money goes to insurance companies. They need to, they usually take that money and invest it in, in some uh, way. Now, over time, they basically need to ensure that their investments, you know, they're actually making money or they need to basically gauge how well that they're doing performance-wise. Mm -hmm. So that's where we essentially fit in. Um, we provide those tools to essentially people who are investing um, money to be able to tell, um, are they doing well? What are the sources of, of, um, of return? Like, where did they make their money? And actually, they, it's important because they use that a lot of times to gauge um, the compensation. It, it becomes relevant on, on our client side. So it's actually an important um, tool kind of in that investment process. Mm -hmm. 
So are you giving them advice or are you just showing them the analytics and yeah, where they may? Sure. That's a good question. So we, we do not provide any investment advice. We, mm -hmm. we primarily give them you're at the analytics and, and they, so yeah, they have their own investment advisors. Um, they have their own strategies that they put on. Our system essentially allows them to, to drill down and see where, you know, they're performing, where they're doing well. Um, if they wanted to test out a new strategy, they would put it on our system. And essentially, we're providing them the tools um, to be able to implement what they need to do. So, yeah, we do not, I do not advise. Obviously, um, it, it, we have to stay relevant. So I have to be kind of caught up with what's going on thematically in, in the market. Mm -hmm. um, not, you know, just, just if when I am having conversations, it's something to be able to relate to, but yeah. yeah, we're not we're not directly providing any any sort of advice. So, as a kid, was this like the dream career for you, or? Yeah, um, it's what I I wouldn't say so. I think it's mm -hmm. something that's definitely evolved um, over time. You know, obviously, background-wise, I grew up in in Africa, um, so just the financial field itself is not as um, as advanced or as exposed when I was a kid. Um, it was definitely just kind of very high level, limited to stock market and things like that. I, I never kind of knew the the breadth and, and depth of what's involved, you know, mm -hmm. um, in the financial market. So, no, I, I wouldn't say that was it was something that, um, you know, was like a dream job. To be honest, I didn't know <laughs> too much about it. It's definitely something um, over time I found, you know, more, more and more interest in and mm -hmm. as I've, you know, started learning about things that's when it you know it started to kind of hit me that actually you know what this is really um interesting and this is what i'm, I'm passionate about so yeah. alhamdulillah right now you know this is something i obviously very um, enjoy a lot and you know it uh, it's something that allows you to to grow over time so from that standpoint it's it's definitely something that's um relevant for me how did you choose this career when you first started yeah, so it was something that um, I basically interviewed um, straight out of college. Mm -hmm. um, I interviewed for a very similar um, role. Um, and at that time, I started working at, at Barclays, um, which was my former uh, job. But yeah, I've been in a, I guess, similar field. The, the role has, has changed over time. Uh, but about eight for eight years or so, I've been in a kind of similar capacity where we're doing we're dealing with these, um, you know, portfolio management tools. Uh, Barclays, in my former role, had a similar product that's now kind of embedded in in Bloomberg's um, software. So um, yeah, it's something I started right out out of uh, college. I interviewed for for a role. Um, I must say, I guess during that interview process. Um, at college, you know, it is hard. You don't actually, you know, in college, you obviously learn a lot of skills, mm -hmm. uh, but you don't really, you still don't know, in my opinion, you still really don't know what you're getting into. Um, well, at least when I was into, it's probably changed a little bit. Um, but in 2010, when I was interviewing, you know, investment banking and kind of sales and trading and those types of jobs were more uh, popular uh, among you know people who are applying for it. That's mm -hmm. probably you know may have changed, might still be um, relevant. But you know this was kind of one. It was it was more in the financial tech. It was it's a mix of 
technology um, and finance. So it's not kind of a true finance type job. Um, a lot of those investment banking type jobs were really the, the popular ones and kind of the big companies would, would come higher for. But mm -hmm. for me, this was kind of a little bit under the radar. Uh, but, but when I looked at it, you know, the mix between the two um, fields that I mentioned was, was something that was more uh, different and, and seemed exciting to me. So what advice would you give those people who are going for job interviews? Yeah, I would say uh, just try to be different, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, you have to realize um, there are a lot of applicants out there. So everyone's applying for the same job. So my, my biggest advice, well, two things, I would say one, um, just be, be passionate. A lot of times in interviews, you know, it can be very, you know, one question, one answer, and that's, you know, it's, it's more of a, you know, you have to make sure it essentially becomes a dialogue uh, where you engage the interviewer as opposed to just, you know, straight up just answering questions as, as they um, roll off. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, just come across, you know, be energetic, um, be um, dynamic when you're, when you're talking, engage. You can ask questions as well. Um, it's not always just whatever they ask. Obviously, you have to impress with your skills um, and your experiences. But I think just, you know, showing energy, I think that's big. And two, like I was saying earlier, is have something that's different, uh, whether it's a different skill set, whether it's a different experience, whether it's a volunteer. It can be, it can be anything, but something that, that sticks out. Um, like, for example, I can tell you in my interview it was completely un irrelevant but, but i had played cricket a lot actually uh, <laughs> back in tanzania and, yeah. and i played actually you know at fairly uh high level under 19 uh almost at the international level oh, that's cool so, so you know in my first round interview that we actually ended up talking about that for for you know almost half the interview so you know, it, it was one where it's not, people aren't always looking for, you know, a lot of times you can learn on the job. So people mm -hmm. are looking for, can, you know, can somebody pick up, do, you know, do they have the right, you know, mind frame to be able to pick up, learn, mm -hmm. how do they get along with people? Those type, if you can demonstrate those types of, of uh, characteristics, then I think it would uh, make for a very favorable interview. That's good to know. Um, so what did you study? You, did you go into finance or something different? Yeah, so I started, um, I studied, well, in the end, uh, I studied economics and math. Mm -hmm. um, those were my, uh, my, uh, my undergrad degrees. Mm -hmm. but, but when I started, it was very uh, open. Um, I, I did, you know, there was always the, the lure of medicine and pre-med. So I, in my first first couple of years in college, that was definitely um, an option where I was keeping open. So I was pretty much taking kind of two tracks um, together. So I was doing my pre-med courses um, in college as well as my economics, math classes. Mm. Um, so I, keep your options open? Yes, essentially, yeah. Essentially, it was uh, keep my options open. Uh, but I remember, you know, again, from back home, there was always a, a big push to become a doctor, become a dentist or something, you know, in the medical field. Um, so that I, I would say it was, pro I was, it was something that obviously was interesting, but it was probably just some of the, I guess, 
I wouldn't say pressures, but some of the um, when you come from you know that part of the world, I think there is that mm-hmm. expectation. So it was more just I'll take these courses and kind of see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I'll see I'll see how it evolves. But yeah, definitely keep my options open, and then we'll we'll figure it out. So and you know I think for for people listening out there, it doesn't I I wouldn't stress enough. It doesn't all have to be figured out right from the first moment. You know, when you when you go in, there's a lot of options. There is a lot of it's it's okay to take your time um, to to figure figure things out because what I've learned is in the end, in your job or whatever you're doing, if it's something you're not passionate about, it's something you don't like to do. Nine out of ten times you know, it will not end up well. I mean, yeah, you'll get by, you know, it'll be a decent job and, and things will kind of move. But, uh, you know, you won't, I, at least I've found that, you know, it's going to be tough to grow and kind of take the next steps in that field. So it's very, very important, um, at least to me, to make sure you're doing something that you enjoy, something you're passionate about, something where, you know, you, you, you feel like you, you have a handle and, and mm-hmm. can and see yourself growing in that field. So it's, it's okay, take a year or so. <laughs> Parents listening out there probably don't like what I'm saying right now, but, <laughs> but I, I think just going through that, it's completely okay to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Did you find that your GPA suffered from taking all those extra courses? Definitely. Yeah. That was uh, that was one of the reasons why in uh, in my third year I was re- I remember specifically I was taking organic chemistry classes mm-hmm. uh, and by the third year you had to pretty much declare your major um, and by then I had declared my kind of economics math path and I said you know what maybe I'll just take some uh, organic chemistry on the side and I quickly very very quickly realized that was a terrible idea. <laughs> Um, so when, yeah, it was, uh, not great for my, my GPA in the end. And actually, luckily, uh, we had an option of just switching one course to like a pass fail. Mm-hmm. And that definitely was one where I'm like, right, Use it on that. yes, this is, this, as long as I can, I can make it through, I'll be okay. So yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, definitely factored in. What university did you go to? Yeah. So I went to uh, Columbia university. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in New York. So yeah, we did my undergrad there. Okay. And if someone is trying to get to, let's say the position of a product manager, um, should they take those same courses or same, is there like degree requirements? There, there aren't um, any specific degree requirements, at least for, you know, when, for example, we're hiring, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it, it goes back to um, what I was saying earlier, obviously, you know, having some knowledge or some, um, sense of the fee of the industry and some basics do help uh, but a lot of times you'll find people you know as, as long as you have a bachelor's degree that typically is a um, is kind of a check the box type thing um, and then experiences you have in the field are obviously a plus mm-hmm. but a lot of times you know especially for entry-level type positions where people are coming out of school a lot of times is, you know, as long as you can demonstrate in that 40-minute interview that you have that you have the required skill set to learn, mm-hmm. um, you'll you learn, you know, 95% of what you do on the job, right? School is 
a fantastic place where you can learn the skills. Um, you, you, I'm sure people on this uh, uh, mentorship program have probably said similar things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, school, school, you're not directly going to apply what you learn in math and you know, and do logic and all that. It's, it's not exactly that will apply in your job, but the concepts mm-hmm. is really what drives it home. And so as long as you can demonstrate that what you have learned conceptually, you know, ability, that ability to think, as long as you can translate that from school into your job, and that's really the, the key of the interview is when it's at the end, you want to be able to demonstrate that, okay, this person can, can grasp what we give them. Um, they'll be able to pick it up. That's really kind of the, the main thing. Um, that we look for, especially when, when we look to hire. So yeah, there, there aren't any, um, obviously some of the basics like your bachelor's degree and things like that are, are kind of your minimum requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, there, you know, there really isn't, it's, it's pretty open. I mean, there are um, many other um, degrees you can take. For example, um, I did a few, a couple of years ago, I completed uh, it's a program called CFA, which is Chartered Financial Analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you can always continuously improve and gain um, additional certifications to yeah. help you out uh, through your career. Are there like certain internships people can take, or maybe extracurriculars, volunteer positions? Yes, definitely. So uh, especially um, around like, you know, volunteering, it, well, it's starting with the internship program. So yeah, that is something I would highly, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, companies do have internship programs. It, it gets you, you know, it's a nice kind of three month window into what working real life is like. Um, yeah. you know, and it, I guess that's usually between your kind of third, fourth year. So um, you Where get... Do- Sorry, where do you suggest people apply for those internships? Like which companies specifically? I, honestly, I would say almost all of the you know big companies mm-hmm. do have internship positions. So it depends on kind of what field uh, people are interested. But you know, in kind of the finance field, banks, you know, financial technology companies, yeah. insurance companies, there's asset managers. Um, all of these companies, you know, they do, um, they do, ins- you know, reinsurance companies. So the, all of your fairly kind of large, you know, even medium to large size companies um, do have internship opportunities. I, I was just going to say it, it gives you a window into what it's like when freedom is over, right? You know, yeah. no more school and you, I guess, are, I need to work every single day of your life. That it gives you a nice little window into into yeah. what what that's like. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell us what you do day to day in your job? Yeah, my my day to day it does vary from from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like to get into the office fairly early, so you know, seven fifteen, seven twenty ish. I'm typically in the office. I like to get in. Uh, early starter just so I can kind of gather my thoughts for the day and and uh, make sure I put down a few things that I want to get done for the day mm-hmm. uh, because when kind of eight o'clock comes in you know a lot of people are in and and the day really st- gets going so that that half an hour before the day kind of lays down for me um, what I want to get done but once eight o'clock hits 
excuse me, it's usually, you know, filled with meetings throughout the day. So the meetings can vary. It's usually internal meetings when we're trying to get some projects done. So we have status check-in. It's usually client meetings mm -hmm. um, and, and conference calls throughout the day. So I would say 70% of, of my typical day is, you know, in, in meetings, conference calls, and then the remaining of the time is left to try to be as efficient as possible to mm -hmm. get you know actually things done so it, it varies but i would say in general um once eight o'clock hits you know the kind of the craziness starts the ball starts rolling exactly right? yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and and so it's it, to me that's imp it's important to make sure that i kind of beginning of the day make sure one two three it doesn't have to, you know make sure if i need to follow up on some important things mm -hmm. I explicitly um, list those down so they're you know they're right there in front of me and make sure I, I get back to those throughout mm -hmm. the day. So you need to really have a lot of time management still. Exactly. That that is probably one of the most important things. I would say time management as well as just the ability to prioritize because mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of competing uh, projects, a lot of you know things to do. There's only so much time in a day. And this, I think, relates to outside of work as well, you know, in, in just life in general, right? There's so yeah. many things everyone wants to get done. Uh, but, but it's very, very important to be able to just prioritize what's important, what's at stake, what can wait, what needs to be done now versus what mm -hmm. needs to be, what, what can wait a little bit um, because everyone would love to do everything, but it's, it's just not possible possible yeah exactly in the in the time constraints that we have so that that also becomes time management as well as the ability to to prioritize i would say are, mm -hmm. are the two kind of key elements to get by a, a typical day mm. what's the coolest part of your job the coolest part i i would say um actually not i i've kind of stopped traveling uh, mm -hmm. a little bit in the last month or so but before that i would say uh i you know i would travel a decent amount um it, it's one of those that when you start off it's actually very 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 cool um because you're kind of flying all over the place you know you get you know stay over in, in a different city and then and you get to eat a dinner and stuff like that so you know it's it's cool at the beginning it does kind of wear off over time because it's you know you're just traveling and it becomes more uh sometimes getting to the airport and stuff mm -hmm. is more time consuming that it's actually fun but i would say uh my coolest experience uh two things one um when i was traveling i traveled to boston a lot actually and i'm a big sports fan um, but luckily, I was actually able to, you know, watch some NBA playoff games, you know, at great seats. You know, we had a few mm -hmm. clients that we could take. That was very, very cool. Um, that I could actually experience a, like a play NBA playoff game, you know, almost courtside. It was great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, and, and the other one I would say is just being um, in, you know, I've had conversations with uh, like, you know, founders of the company or co-founders of the company who, you know, people you literally can look up and have Wikipedia pages and, <laughs> and kind of image search and you're like, wow, I was just talking with that guy. That, that's yeah. pretty cool. And these people are like billionaires. It's essentially, yes, mm -hmm. these guys are billionaires. So, you know, 
you you know when you're in there it's a little bit of uh oh wow moment um mm -hmm. you you kind of have to get get on with it but it is you look back and like okay that's pretty cool i wouldn't otherwise have had the opportunity to have a conversation with you know the owner or the founder of of a company but mm -hmm. i just did that right now that was that was pretty cool have you ever gotten any kind of pieces of advice from them yeah they they i the the biggest advice that i've got from kind of more senior uh, members is that you know you you don't have to be the smartest person in the room right so you don't if it's a room of people the one thing that you can control is how hardworking you are right so you it doesn't always you don't have to be that genius you don't have to be the smartest person but as long as you can show that you are a hard worker you can work just as long, right? There's mm -hmm. only 24 hours in a day. So you, you can make sure that you can work just as long or more than the next person you know, next to you. And that's what you can control. Um, so it's that con consistent feedback is, you know, you, you know, people who have been successful in, in their careers, I think it's a common trait that people don't just end up there by chance, right? They've put in a lot of work, a lot of hours um, and that the commitment and dedication to what they're doing is uh -huh. you know the one consistent feedback that I get from from people who've been pretty successful in their field so don't you you don't have to be the genius but you have to make sure that you're putting in your shift um, to make sure things get done mm -hmm. and how would you know if you're like as a kid that you're interested in this kind of a job because you usually you don't really know what you want um so what skills or things did you pick up on as a kid that led you here yeah it's a good question um a lot of you're right a lot of times it is difficult it's not always easy it's not always clear i would say for me it was probably i i as a kid i was very interested in kind of um i would call it technical skills but you know, I would I would be curious, okay, how is something made? Okay, how did we get from here to here? Like ability to kind of drill down into something, whether it's, you know, toys or whatever. But just having that, that skill set, the technical skill set where I would be curious as to how is something made or how, you know, whether it's even in technology, okay, why does something work the way it does? You know, why is it working this way versus not something else? So... I was always kind of curious about that. Um, so I was able to then relate quickly, like for example, in my job right now, you know, I couldn't live without Excel sheets and things like that. So you need that kind of technical um, skill set. Um, so that to me was kind of an indication that, okay, this is something, you know, where I want to have the ability to kind of make sure I'm kind of drilling down into one specific topic, but I'm going as deep as I can in it, as opposed to doing, you know, multiple different things across mm -hmm. different topics. So that's kind of, it was something that, but to be completely honest, it was not, you know, it wasn't something that was shouting at me. Um, yeah. That was in, in hindsight, when I look back, I can, I can relate that way, but it, it is, it is difficult. It's, it's not easy to know, what your right path is, you know, mm -hmm. and things evolve as well now, right? And just given the technology that, yeah. that keeps coming out, you know, probably jobs that we were growing up with, or maybe even, you know, 
10 years, 15 years ago. It's a mm -hmm. completely different um, dynamics out there in terms of what jobs are available. So I would say, you know, just being up, you know, whether it's keeping up with technology or innovating and just being relevant is, is kind of my, and back to the, in terms of the advice. So when applying to university, should the person apply to something that's more broad and then slowly pick up on what they like? It depends. Um, I, honestly, I would say it depends. If there's people who probably know exactly what they need to do mm -hmm. and this is for them, if their mind is made up, then, you know, I would say go for it. Do you what you think, you know, at that point. If it's clear to you, you know, that don't waver, that's what you're going for. But there's also, you know, a set of people who, who don't really know, I may have an idea, but, you know, don't really know what they want to specialize in. Yeah. yeah, I would say for the, you know for those people, it, it's very very okay to kind of go in and and explore within that first year. Now it's a fine line, I guess, between you know just kind of hanging out for too long, right? Yeah. And then, mm -hmm. but so you want to make sure that that you're really using that first year, six months, or first year to to actually explore. Mm -hmm. um, it's also very easy to kind of just coast through and the next thing you know a year is gone and you really haven't figured anything out so you have to make it count because otherwise you know you time doesn't you know, quickly runs out and then you're scrambling and then you're probably making quick decisions which you know may or not be you know maybe optimal at that point so i would say that the first kind of six months to your year in college you want to make sure that counts so that you you have some freedom Mm -hmm. um, to explore, but you you want to make sure that that's relevant, and you 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 can use that time to kind of figure figure things out. What last piece of advice do you have for the future generation of finance or product managers? Um, last piece of I think I give a yeah you'd have <laughs> but, uh, but yeah I, again I I would not stress enough enjoy you know what you do that that to me is one thing that sticks out mm -hmm. you know it's something you're gonna do every day for in your life um you are you have no choice you know you're gonna you're gonna that's what you're doing every day you have the weekends off but then when monday comes in it's back to doing that same thing again so if it's something yeah. you, you don't enjoy you're going to be miserable. You might be okay for a year or two, but quickly, quickly wear out on you. So I would mm -hmm. say my kind of biggest advice would be make sure it's something that you can relate to, make something, you make sure it's something that's uh, relevant to you, like something you enjoy, passionate about, um, because that's something you're going to do for the rest of your life. So you don't want to be miserable uh, doing it. Thank you so much, Mushtaba, for sharing your cool career path and for all of your valuable advice. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure uh, uh, speaking with you, and uh, inshallah, I look forward to connecting soon. It's a pleasure having you. Okay, thank you. So before we get to Sister Azra, just wanted to remind you all that Umoja Soccer Academy session is in full swing. And if you want to join the academy in your city, please reach out to us at info at umojaoutreach.org. Also, make sure to check out the official Emoja Games 2018 photos on the website by searching umojaoutreach.org slash games and clicking gallery. Sister Azra, how are you? Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. 
So your career has taken a whole different shift, right? You started out in something completely different to what you're doing now. Can you tell us a bit about how you started out and where you are? Um, well, thank you for, first of all, giving me the opportunity to talk. Um, so I started off, I guess my career path is one of the unique career path because of the fact that I started off as um, a, a, an accountant, uh, mm -hmm. my bachelor's in uh, accounting. And um, I had my own business for a couple of years. I then um, did my certified public accountant, the CPA exam. So uh, I would say about eight years I have been um, in, I joined the, um, the the one of the first job that I, of my career was the general board of pensions for the in the United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. I was the internal audit analyst at that time. So I did that for about uh, four years, and uh, and then I moved on to um, internal or, or I moved on to a tax accountant, international tax accountant in the Bachelor uh, Baxter's International. Mm -hmm. And um, I did that for about um, three years. And at that time, I had my third child. So I, um, I planned to quit the job um, and stay with my children. And so, this was in what year? So this was, this was in about 2000 to, to 1999 to 2000, around that time. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I was with my children during that time. And um, I, I mean, I would spend um, a lot of time with trying to learn about, and because I was going to have my third child, um, learn about more of just bringing up my children, just how to, uh, you know, looking for different schools and different careers, uh, different schools for my children at that time. Um, I actually joined um, Sunday school as a teacher, been teaching for a while and um, started to just get more interested. And so I decided to uh, join uh, COD, College of DuPage, and uh, learn a little bit more about early childhood education. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shift in what I wanted to do. I was passionate about more of a side thing that I was doing with uh, uh, myself while I still had my business as a yeah. And so it's really parallel uh, going <laughs> over there. Um, and were you going into ECA for the diploma or just for fun? It was so it was more of learning self teaching myself. So mm -hmm. doing research on um, finding a, a, a good education for my student, my children at that time, because I was looking for schools, looking for daycares and in. Um, I wanted to give my children Islamic education. Mm -hmm. and How old were they at the time? So my, I'm trying to remember, my oldest was four years old, uh, two, and I was expecting my, th my third one. Oh, okay. So you're looking for something that was going to give them a good foundation. Right. Just um, foundation is where I lean to, uh, towards. And, um, and also looking for a quality education. And yeah. Montessori is one of the... Um, system that I, I really am passionate about and, I, and I've been in Montessori school uh, earlier earlier in my childhood years 
And, um, and I couldn't find an organization that had both the Montessori as well as Islamic at that time. Um, so I was, I wanted to just learn a little bit more. I was intrigued by, uh, uh, by trying to provide my students and couldn't, uh, children, that education. I couldn't find it in here and mm -hmm. thought to uh, pursue, try to do more research on how to combine those two together and being able to provide quality education, not for my own children, as well as for anybody who would uh, want to look for something, um, you know, who has the same vision. And so um, start giving back to the community as well. Absolutely. And I'm just, I was just drawn more towards education and early childhood. Um, so I took a couple of courses, um, growth and development, foundation of childhood and education. And, and a lot of that, the more I learned, the more was interesting to me and more uh, give me a um, perspective of what I could do with, alhamdulillah, adapt the background that I had in accounting and finance. Um, I was able to uh, think about, you know, pursuing on starting something um, in the school in, in Chicagoland area. Mm -hmm. So I started to uh, invest in the, the trying to, you know, start a school at that time. And who did you talk to about this idea? So we had like-minded uh, individuals um, and other parents who were interested in uh, and have shared the same vision as we were and mm -hmm. uh, and that got started really and applying for it and it, it's a whole it's a whole process and <laughs> business, right if you start a business yeah. it, uh, it's about budgeting it's about um, just getting everything in line with um, applying for uh, incorporating the business and all that so it was all uh, because of my educational background at that mm -hmm. time I was able to go ahead and, and do all that and you were drawing all from that past experience so you're still applying yourself from your career but it was a whole different route absolutely I mean at that time I was already doing uh, accounting for uh, different uh, clients I had at that time um, I, you know I was doing some so tax accounting as well as their uh, bookkeeping and all that so I was doing it um, at the same time was able to you know utilize my um, my knowledge to uh, pursue and uh, starting this startup that mm -hmm. we had. And what role were you in when you first started? Oh, so when, so basically, um, I once I had um, hired a directress who was qualified teacher at that time um, um, from Montessori. Uh, I felt like my role was um, I had a, a multiple roles at that time. I was, uh, uh, you know, trying to manage the school as well as an assistant teacher, a secretary, uh, um, a maintenance, and basically all <laughs> roles uh, during that time from morning seven to seven, I, I, was, I was there. Wow. Uh, for a couple of years, I've, I've been able to do that uh, during that time. Mm -hmm. Did your kids go to the school at that time? Yes, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. School, yes. So you were able to sort of balance that kind of your home life and that and juggle all of those roles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. How did you do that? <laughs> so it was 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think a lot to do with support from your family. Mm -hmm. I think it is an extremely important point. 
Um, you need to have spouse who is supportive, uh, family members, children. Uh, I think at that time, um, that was basically where uh, it's just it's a family commitment, but uh, yeah. where everybody was involved and trying to get this movement going. Um, at the same time, I had been, like I said, um, doing my own business and um, almost self-taught myself to do what I was doing, although I did have um, you know, early childhood education courses and, and uh, managerial at that time. Uh, but it was a pivotal moment in my life at that time where I had to make a decision if, if this is something that I I, I got to do. Either, either I had to continue with my accounting, find someone to replace, to become a, a principal, or be able to continue to do what I was doing in terms of school. And um, I think it was, the answer was clear that I needed to and uh, go into education. I felt that this is something that is more intriguing, more, I felt more passionate about what I was doing because of the, just a higher calling that I had at that time. Uh, and Alhamdulillah, I was able to join um, the master's program, master's in education in from Argosy University. Mm -hmm. And um, as soon as I joined and I was continuing with it, I felt, um, it was it was really a, a a light bulb for me because I was able to apply whatever I've learned, all the skills, knowledge. I was to, I was able to apply instantaneously at that time, and um, a lot of the vision, the the um, just basically building the community and sh the staff member to yeah. share the vision and mission of the school uh, was was something that I've just got it started to enroll. And you were able to apply to that master's program because you've already had a bachelor's degree previously. Yes, um, I had a bachelor's in accounting, like I said, from, uh, mm -hmm. from DeVry University in, in, in Chicago. And, um, and because of not being a bachelor's in education, I had to get in through education through an alternative program okay. where I had to uh, write a test. Uh, it was just a basic skills test. And... Uh, show credentials that I did my bachelor's in um, in America, I was able to get into the program, alhamdulillah. Okay, that's good. And so the school that you built, what were, you said that it was sort of like a, um, a drive because you wanted that Islamic foundation, correct? Yes. Yeah. So what kind of, um, like, what made you want that? Did I again? Like what made you want to build a school that was all about having that Islamic foundation? Well, um, so me, my husband and I have um, decided that um, our children will be going through um, Islamic uh, in, you know, knowledge and Islamic foundation uh, living in America. I have originally been to um, America. I've gone through Chicago public schools. I'm, I'm a product for a couple of years as a Chicago public school uh, um, uh, in my earlier years in America, and um, and I know what it what goes through in there. Mm -hmm. uh, there are several uh, occasions in your life, especially when you're have that foundation um, that we want our students children to stay away from um, the environment that we want our children to stay away from. And I know that um, 
having a, having a quality education is, is extremely important to us, as well as giving them that uh, Muslim identity living in America is also extremely important for, for us. And so hence that we've started to look for something that for our children. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different options to get to where you are. What's the route that people usually take? Well, like I was mentioning, my case is unique uh, mm -hmm. because I had applied to uh, accounting as well and moving on to um, in a business, in an education world. Um, um, anybody who would like to go in education, uh, one of the recommendation would be first to, um, you know, be able to join the school, which is doing a bachelor's in, you know, bachelor's in elementary education. They have an option to um, go in there. And I know being an employer myself, I have been hiring for the past 15 years, several employees, several teachers. And um, and I do look for, uh, one, I do look for their educational background and mm -hmm. look for their experience. And, and probably experience is also extremely important alongside education because of, um, of once you go into education, you learn in your school, but also being applying those skills in the classroom makes a huge difference. So what I recommend would be to have, uh, to become a substitute teacher. Um, first and foremost would be a good idea for anybody who would like to pursue education. Um, just kind of get a feel of it and be in the classroom. Um, and, and you need to have passion, I feel. If you want to be a teacher, uh, it's important to have the passion to be where you are because you're going to be spending the rest of your life in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the most challenging part of this whole entire process? You know, it, it's kind of daunting thinking of you being responsible for building and like a whole school. What was the most challenging part? Well, I mean, I feel there are a lot through throughout the 15 years that I have been there. Are several challenges that I've been through, um, up, uh, you know, ups and downs, and um, and I think um, for me the most challenging would be to convince the parents. I feel working with um, innovative programs that we've implemented in our school, um, just to know knowing that. A real change does come through with uh, a price, uh, come through with a zone of uncertainty and anxiety. And uh, to be able to build uh, infrastructures in place uh, that engage parents and teachers with new knowledge and skills, and just to make that shift um, is, is one of the probably the challenge that we have. Just two years ago, we've uh, implemented the program, the personalized learning program in our school. and um, I think just um, you know convincing the parents the the real value of such a program is something that we that I think requires a lot of homework requires a lot of research, mm -hmm. um, you know, with and a lot of ways of communication. Um, the 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 fact that the content knowledge the the skills that our students are getting is extremely beneficial because of its disruption to the traditional way method of teaching, it does require that skills. So I think that's probably mm -hmm. one of the challenging things for me. 
And over your past 15 years as an educator and now a principal, what was the most rewarding thing for you? Um, I think rewarding would be, um, there's, there's several moments in my life where I, I felt, I feel rewarded. It's just, just that one moment when a child comes to my office and share um, their goals, because I do have a system where st students are, um, are very open, openly able to come to my office and share mm -hmm. their goals and their accomplishments. So they come in and they share their goals with me. Um, just makes me just warms my heart and, and get very excited about it. Yeah. Um, all my students uh, in our my school receives uh, a job. Like they all have leadership positions. Um, just like some of them will be safety patrols, some of our photographers, some of them are technology specialists, and so on. And so um, taking that seriously when they come to my office and share what they've done is also rewarding for me because I think those are the real skills that they're learning in our school. Mm -hmm. um, These are real life skills for the future. Absolutely. And, and I tell them and I take it very seriously. I literally have, have them fill out an, an application. And <laughs> Going from interview, and they come to my office and actually have an interview, and uh, and I act, try to ask those questions, and so it's fun. It's um, uh, you know how, and they basically have to shake hands. They have to, you know, work with me in in trying to the the employee employer setup. So it's it's really interesting, and they love they love that. It's amazing. And what have they been very successful at? They're, they, I think they have been very successful to the point where, for example, our safety patrol um, teachers was teacher guided, teacher tells them what to do because we have coordinators for each job. Mm -hmm. To the point where now my older, my, my, uh, older students, um, six and seven graders are actually uh, doing the job that when we have a dismissal, uh, teachers do the dismissal, but now students are doing the dismissal. They're the ones out there in organizing everything right now so <laughs> so they overtake took the process now they did alhamdulillah there's so many occasions where i can see them doing the work and it's just it's just amazing to see that happening in our school mm -hmm. and it's sort of showing them how to build those co community service skills and everything so that's amazing absolutely yes one of our vision is for them to be serving the community is one of our vision actually and uh, alhamdulillah i see them you know they're definitely doing that. And when you're hiring teachers for these positions, what are the most, uh, what are the things that you highlight and want in your teachers? Oh, that, that's a very good uh, question. Um, so I, so for the past 15 years, I've seen several resumes go, um, uh, you know, in and off. And I feel, um, like I said before, I want to make sure that uh, the teacher has um, educational, the, the educational background is from an American institution where they have um, received their either bachelor's or master's degree. Uh, definitely, I would prefer master's if they have, but bachelor's all, are also fine as long as they're coupled with, with, edu um, with experience. Mm -hmm. um, I would like the teachers to have some experience in terms of classroom management because I think this is that's a huge piece um, in order for the teachers to be able to successfully teach and provide instructions they need to be able to manage the classroom 
Um, so that's a huge piece that I do look for um, the teacher and their ability to, um, you know, the communication skill is extremely important. So I think those are the things that I, I strongly emphasize on being able to um, written, both written and oral communication is, is important as well. And what would you say is the key to success so far for the school? Wow. Um, I think the key to success for our school is just the quality of education. I felt uh, we've always been ahead in the trends, uh, in the recent trend in education. Mm -hmm. um, always, uh, we've tried, alhamdulillah, with Allah's support and guidance. Um, one of the, you know, five years ago, we started the project-based learning approach when our a lot of schools were just getting their you know, hands and feet wet with that kind of a system. And uh, it really evolved in our school. And, um, and like I said, and now two years ago, we've started the new program, which is the uh, personalized learning approach. And um, I know there are challenges to starting a new program, but I think it is fulfilling and rewarding when, when results actually come forth. Yeah. So a lot of parents have seen the result and now it's it's amazing how children are doing well with that. Can you do you mind sharing some of those methods that you've recently implemented? So I um you mean what, what do you mean by that? You, you mean the personalized learning approach? Yeah, like the innovative methods that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, well the innovative method, one of the things, one of the things that is like the personalized learning approach is students working at their own pace until mm -hmm. uh, they have reached mastery. Instead of having a curriculum that a teacher has and the teacher is teaching to the entire, uh, entire classroom, as opposed to having uh, the curriculum by the child itself. I don't know if that makes sense, but the child has their own curriculum in front of their, um, their screen mm -hmm. and they are going through the curriculum by themselves, but not totally because the teacher is there to guide them. There are there no longer one teacher teaching the entire school, but it is more of one teacher um, with teaching partial grouping. So she would be depending on, on you know data that we receive. One time the teacher might be teaching in three different, uh, with three different students who are needing that skill and knowledge. And then another time, another teacher should be teaching um, other part, uh, other group with the different knowledge or skill that that student required. So it's more of differentiating in the classroom, but really going through that as well as projects. So we not just we have technology. Our, we are one on one technology, by the way, uh, where each child has their own Chromebooks. Um, mm -hmm. But we spend about 40 minutes on the computer, but a lot of time it's hands-on project-based learning so yeah. students are yeah building their own um you know, building their own airplanes or building their um projects so uh, models that are then presented to the parents um in the in the for example habitat day we have different habitats in life science so the students create those habitats and they're able to uh, present it to the parents mm -hmm. uh right now we're uh, creating where one of the class would be doing a, uh, a trial for, um, for a court case. So they're kind of working on persuading persuasion skills and, and all that. So that's so cool. <laughs> I wish I had that as a kid. I, I agree with you. I wish I had that too. <laughs>
Do you have kids come into your office tell you, I, I want to be you when I grow up? <laughs> um, not, I know parents have said that, that they would like my children to be. <laughs> so I, I'm humbled and I'm honored, really. Yeah. Um, so what, what kind of uh, skills are required for a kid who, let's say, wants to be a principal versus a teacher? Wow. Um, well, okay, so there are a couple of things that are involved in, in the position that I'm in right now. Um, I think one of the biggest uh, aspects is communication. I think it's important to be uh, have that communication skill, be able to talk to parents, teachers, uh, mm -hmm. and students at their own level, and just really have the empathy um, to be able to deal with the concerns and frustrations, especially when you're implementing something new, um, the, the parents and the teachers will need that support. And I think be there for them. Another thing is visibility. We need to be able to visible in, in different areas of the school. Um, I try to uh, visit the classrooms at least two or three times uh, during the week. And um, if not, try to be in the classroom every day, at least for five minutes through uh, to walk through. So visibility is extremely important to make sure that you know what's going on. Um, next thing would be inspiring. I think a teacher or, or a, a principal should be able to inspire the teacher, should be able to uh, create the camaraderie, um, to, to have the shared vision that we have and really believe and have that high level of trust um, within the system, I think is extremely important. Um, and I, I would probably say the next piece would be data-driven decision-making, mm -hmm. to be able to make decisions based on the data that you received in terms of uh, the students' you know, scores and what kind of strategies that will be best beneficial for those students. I think it's, it's something that we need to work for, or, or I need to be working with my teachers to be able to implement that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, again, at the next most important probably would be management skills and prioritizing. Yeah. It's extremely important um, during the day. I would, um, I had, my two days are never the same. I've mm -hmm. only, um, and I think that makes it very interesting for me because of, of the fact that um, I come in, I meet with different teachers throughout the day. I go to different classrooms. And each time I go in the classroom, there's always something new going on. And uh, um, I requested my teachers to invite me whenever they're done with their project so that uh, when they're presenting it, that I'm always available, that I can look at and see what's going on. And it's just interesting. And um, and I think, Matt, I guess an, another next thing is managing talent. Mm -hmm. um, I provide my teachers an opportunity to be utilizing their own uh, leadership skills so uh, being able to find out who is best fit for that skill because we have different committees and i um, strongly recommend my teachers to join the committees and be able to um, just shine and be able to just uh, it's growth for the not just the students but also the teachers that they need to be able to grow with the school and I, myself as well it's amazing because you're so hands-on and it shows through the commitment of everyone at the school Alhamdulillah. 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 Do you have any final piece of advice? Um, I would advice for my um, for the future generation of students who want to become teachers or principals. Sure. Well, I would say that um, 
if you need to be, if you want to become a teacher, I think it's extremely important to be passionate about teaching. Mm -hmm. um, do you need to be able to, first of all, uh, like I said, go in the classroom and know that's exactly what you want to do and uh, to be able to love to be around children. Um, just keep an open mind. And uh, I think the most important thing is to say that when you're doing it, you're doing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. uh, a teacher is one of the most respected and valued member of the, of, uh, of the society, I feel. And, um, and I think that that would be uh, because when you're a teacher, you're actually building career. You're building the character of the student. Uh, of your children, you're building the future leaders, right? You're yeah. making those students the strong that the you're giving them strong values of those students and molding the children. So it's this is an extremely important job that I feel, and um, so I want you to know that that is what the teacher is all about. And when you have that, it's not just a job; it's a higher calling. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your very interesting career. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. You were just listening to the UMentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the UMentor website under Talk Shows. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the iTunes podcast so you never miss another show? Thank you for listening in to our panel today on YouTube Live. You can always catch up on our previous shows on SoundCloud or on our iTunes podcast. If you would like to reach out to the speakers from today's show or any of our previous shows to ask these professionals any questions you may have, just visit our online platform at umojaoutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups. Or you can visit the UMentor website and hit the link for online platform. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. for another panel of speakers and more stories.